0: Now, if you have your Westover app, I invite you to open that, or if you have your Bible and you want to go to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 2, we're in a series, and this series is entitled, Wise Men Still Seek Him. We're looking at Christmas through the eyes and the experience of the wise men, and each week we've identified a key word. Our first word that we looked at was to ask Then we talked about seeking, to seek God. And now this weekend we want to talk about one word, find. Finding. Asking God compliments Him. The Bible invites us, ask the Lord. The Bible invites us to seek God. Asking compliments God. Seeking activates God. But I'd like to share with you finding God personalizes him. It personalizes God. When you find God's goodness, you'll say, God is good. When you find and experience God's faithfulness, here's what you're going to say. God is faithful. Finding personalizes God. And some of us, we need a personalized experience with God. We need to find what God has for us. We need to find God's best in our life. Some of us are looking for it. We haven't found it yet. Maybe this service will encourage us and give us direction in that end. Have you ever moved, relocated, packed something, moved to a new location, and then you couldn't find what you were looking for? Isn't it amazing? You think you put it in a certain box, and when you get to the new location, it's not in the box you thought it was in. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I remember one time Denise and I were moving. We were moving from a rent house into a house that we bought. And it was kind of during the holiday season. We had little girls at that time. Denise had a full-time job. She was working. She was employed. And so we were trying to figure out when we were going to move and how we were going to do it and keep the family going. Well, I had a guy in the church Uh, showed up one day with a flatbed trailer he said pastor I have a day off I'll help you move today I said fine I'll move the entire house today so I called Denise she's on her job I said Denise we're going to move today she said what I said yeah we're going to move today I have Don he's here to help me we're going to load it up on the flatbed trailer well what about packing we haven't packed I said hey I've got this handled I've got this handled. You don't have to worry about a thing. And I moved the entire house that day, moved everything, and cleaned up the rent house. I'm a good husband, aren't I? I I'm, I'm a good husband. I moved us all. I mean, got everything moving. That day was kind of a rainy, gray, kind of a gloomy, misty day like we had this past week. We had a day like that. Well, we were moving everything, putting on the flatbread, taking it over to the new house, coming back, came to move the stuff in the closets to the clothes. I said, well, you know what? I don't want to get the new clothes wet and so forth. So I took some black plastic trash bags and put the clothes in it because I didn't want to get it wet and take wet clothes over there and had to do all the laundry. So we moved, got everything in the house. I cleaned up the rent house. Got it all ready to turn back over to the landlord. Well, we're two or three days unpacking boxes, okay? We're unpacking boxes and looking for things. And I remember one day Denise, she said to me, she's opening up these black plastic trash bags, and she said, why did you move the trash from that house over here? I said, I didn't move the trash. I put our clothes in there. I put our clothes in trash bags. She said, come here and look at that. So I went in there and looked inside this trash bag after trash bag. Have you ever had a moment in which you said, oh no. Oh no. Have you ever had a moment when you feel like you needed to go back to your birth certificate and change your name to stupid? You know what I'm talking about? I had one of those moments. I looked inside and instead of our clothes was garbage. And I realized I moved the garbage and I put all of our clothes out on the street and it went to the landfill. Denise at that moment didn't think I was that good of a husband, okay? I thought I I thought I had made some headway there, but I lost all of, I lost all of my points right there. And there was no getting it back. Some of us we've lost something. You say, I'll never get it back. You say, I've, I've lost my stride. I, I, I've lost my momentum. I've lost my direction. I've lost my purpose. Some of us today, we feel like we've lost something that we can never get back. But I'm here to say, from the story of the wise man, we're going to discover you can find it again. You can find it again. You may feel like you're in a no man's land and groping, aimless, but God has a purpose and God can do something in your life. The account of the wise men tradition tells us there were three. We don't know how many wise men there were. We extrapolate there were three because there were three gifts, but we don't know how many wise men there were. Some scholars believe there were three wise men because of the mention of the three gifts. And some have even suggested that each one of the wise men were a descendant from one of the three sons of Noah, hence representing all mankind. I believe we can find and connect with the wise men because they were searching and they found something. The Bible says they were bringing gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's interesting is... None of those items were native to Persia from which they came. They came from the east. They came from Persia. Persia is not known for gold, frankincense, or myrrh. So what does it mean? They were imported items. In other words, they were expensive items. They didn't go down to the Persian Walmart and pick it up. Then he go down to the, to the flea market in Persia. They were expensive items. They brought the best of the best to Jesus. They were on a journey looking for something, but they intended to bring the best. May I invite us, may I invite you, if you're searching and looking, always give God the best. Whatever you feel like God is asking, can I I encourage us? Always do the best by God because God has something better for you. Let's go into the scripture text. We're going to read the account of the wise men. Chapter 2, let's just glance at verses 1 and 2 and set the scene. This account is found only in the gospel of Matthew and here's what it reads, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Before I go on in the text, may I just mention parenthetically here, there is something in verse number 1 in one phrase. We skip back past it we move on in the text but I think it might suggest something to us it says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the time of King Herod that's all it says in the time of King Herod if you go outside of the Bible dictionary historical records there's a lot to say about King Herod he was a nefarious character History records a lot about King Herod, but the Bible only records this in the time of King Herod. And I think it may relate to us today. And all the conversation that's been in the political arena, particularly this week with what's occurred in Congress and the White House and the debate (coughs) and the polemics of politics right now, Excuse me. It's very easy for us to get caught. And our values and our opinions sometimes feel like the same. And we can be as passionate about our opinion as we are our values. But Matthew says nothing about King Herod. He does not editorialize. He does not post anything on social media. You don't hear any of his opinion. All the Holy Spirit said is tell them, It was during the time of King Herod. For you see, as believers and followers of Christ, we're we're caught between a secular world and a spiritual kingdom. And some of us, in our social media conversations and our opinions, we live more in the secular end. But God's conversation is always on the kingdom level. And I call us to the kingdom level. I wonder what the what the comment, I wonder what the commentary might be from the Holy Spirit perspective. And all that's going on and people have opinions and debating if the Holy Spirit would just simply say, and it happened in 19, excuse me, it happened in 2019. We get all caught up in the politics of it, but God's kingdom is different. I want to invite you to put your attention upon Jesus. We get caught in the everyday and we're going into a political season of an election. Don't allow yourself to get caught in the mundane and the things that don't matter in the world of the kingdom. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on the spiritual priority and don't be distracted. It happened in the time of King Herod. Herod said, I don't know where the birth of this king is. So he called the scribes and the, and the learned men of that day. He said, go search the Old Testament, the scriptures. They came back and said, he's to be born in Bethlehem. Herod tells the magi, the wise men, go to Bethlehem. And deceivingly he said, come back and tell me and I'll go worship him too. Which brings me to verse number 9 and following. And it says, and after they heard the king... They went on their way, and the star which had, had they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming into the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him, and they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. We're talking about finding. And I want to suggest that those verses identify for us three levels of faith. And I'm going to ask you rhetorically, what level of faith do you live at? What level of faith do you exist at? Three levels of faith. What level of faith do you find yourself at today in this God? challenging you to take a step to the next level of faith. The first one I'll share with you is what I'll call faith based upon sight. Faith that's based upon sight. It says in verse number 10 and 11 that the wise men, the magi, came into the house and they saw the child. Faith based upon sight. They saw the child with his mother Mary. And there is a faith that's based upon what we see, what we perceive, and what we understand. Seeing Jesus awakens faith. When you really begin to see who Jesus is, it will awaken faith. And some of us are there. Some of us are coming to a realization Uh, Right now, we're seeing who Jesus is. We're seeing what God is like. And it's awakening faith inside. You said, I now see what I'm supposed to do. It now makes sense to me. Now I realize God's blessings. Now I see God's benefits. Now I see what God is doing. Now I realize. Now I'm beginning to see the wisdom of doing it God's word. God's word is beginning to make sense to me. I I read scripture and it blesses me and it warms my heart. I now see see what I didn't see before. You're at the level of faith based upon seeing. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms chapter 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a moment when you come and you realize, yes, God is right. Yes, it does work that way. Yes, God can help me. Yes, I see there is a difference. Yes, I see God has a standard that's different from society. That's faith based upon seeing. The Bible tells us the wise men, they saw Jesus when they came into the house. The key there, the lesson for us is you've got to get in the right house in order to see Jesus. In order to realize what God can do for you, You have to be in the right house. And there are some people, they're in the wrong house. What do I mean by that? Oh, they're in an internet search. They read every blog article from everything from from mysticism to Eastern religion to philosophy to to nihilism. They're reading all of this stuff and they're kind of sampling it like, as it were, a buffet line. They take one one spoonful of this and they go down the buffet line of philosophies and a spoonful of that and they amalgamate it together and they've identified and come out with their own version and their own recipe to spirituality. It doesn't work that way. You'll still be searching. You'll still be looking. You'll still be going down dead-end roads because until you come into the house of faith and see who Jesus is, You will always be looking, but when you see him, all of a sudden the philosophies and all of a sudden the arguments and all of a sudden the distractions, they pale and they move out of the way, and you say, I understand God. Now, Jesus gives me an understanding of what God's heart is like. You see Jesus, faith based upon sight. But number two, there's another level of faith. It's it's faith based upon devotion, based upon devotion. Notice here in verse number 11, it says, The wise men, on coming into the house, they saw the child with his his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Devotion. They opened their treasures and presented gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you see that? They saw who Jesus was. They saw him. They'd been searching and somehow when they came in the house they said, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. And it inspired devotion. They bowed down. And the scripture is very colorful in its language. They opened up their treasures and presented him gifts. It doesn't say they just handed him doesn't say they just they just pass it on. Doesn't say they dropped it on the front porch, hoping no porch pirate comes along and steals their gift. No. They walked in and they presented it to him. It's a picture, it's an imagery, it's intentional, it's teaching us. Once you see Jesus, the next level of faith God calls you to is one of devotion. Seeing Jesus awakens faith following Jesus will strengthen your faith there's a time as Christ followers we must move beyond just saying oh I understand God I see God he's a he's uh in the uh, Jesus is in the Bible and we quote a few things and a few inspirational quotes but we come to a moment where we're devoted to him faith is surrender not negotiation and today it's so popular to look at God as, as someone we bargain with, we negotiate. Many of us have what I'll call a, an eBay philosophy to God. We see something and we post what we're willing to give God for it. God says blessing. God says he wants to transform our heart. Oh, yes, God, I want that. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'll, I'll pray occasionally I'll go to church when it's convenient. That's what I'll bid for your blessings. And that's what we give God. And many of us, we're searching, but we're not finding. Our experience doesn't match our aspiration. There is something in us that yearns for more. We say, God could and should be. It just seems like we're missing something. We must go beyond just... Seeing who Jesus is, there's a moment of devotion to Jesus. And they came in and they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and they gave their all. We've lost the idea of total surrender to God. I hear people say today, I want God on my team. That is wrong. God doesn't want to be on your team. You need to be on God's team. We want we want to be the coach. We want to tell God, God you you have permission to bless me, but you don't have permission to interfere with my life. God, I want to go to the club when I want to go to the club. I want to do this. I want to I want to live together and not be married. This is the 21st century. Come on, God, get with it. Everybody does it, and God is saying he demands from us a devotion where we do it God's way, and we present to him our best, and we say, God, even if it disagrees with my thinking, my emotions, my feeling, and my lifestyle, I give you my all. That's what God is calling us to. God is calling us to a level of devotion where we give our best and our all to him. I've discovered self-interest. My self-interest has a aller- allergic reaction to devotion. Yeah. God's word says I should be this. Oh, but I don't like that. That's not easy for me, God. <laughs> forgive people? You want me to forgive that rascal? You want me to, you want me to get over that. You want me to be kind to people who are not kind to me. You, you, I work with Mister Pitbull, and you want me to be kind to him. He barks and growls. He's some the most unfriendly person. I need to give him what he gets, and God's word says be different. And it challenges us. Our self-interest is always to appease and please us. And self-interest is allergic to devotion because when God really begins to talk to you about devotion, it will irritate you. It will get under your skin. It will cause you to have to repent of things. It will cause you to have to repurpose things and do things differently in your life. And they presented to him gifts. They bowed down and said, God, here. The intentional descriptive language in the text of the presentation of the gifts speak to the devotion that we are to have. Yes, faith based upon devotion. Third is faith based upon trust. Faith based upon trust. Uh, It's found in verse number 12. It says in the wise men. Having been warned in a dream, one version says, by God. They were warned in a dream by God not to go back to Herod. Why? Because if they went back to Herod, Herod would kill them. Don't go back to Herod. So what did God say to them in the dream? And they returned to their country by another route. This is faith based upon trust. I've read verse number 12 many times in the Bible, hundreds of times in the Bible. And I've always assumed, wrongly so, that I understood what the word warned meant. If you'd asked me, I'd said, oh, warned It's like a warning label. Don't go here. I've seen them on sidewalks. I've seen them on building wet paint or whatever. Don't do this. You know, just a, just a general warning. Don't do this. That's not what that word warning really means I was surprised by that as I began to do research in the original language in the New Testament of course written in Greek it's translated in the English in the English it says and they were warned by God and the word and the idea behind warning is not the one I had always assumed just a general warning the word warned there literally is a financial transaction. It's a financial transaction. It's the word that if you went to the marketplace and somebody gave you product, gave you fruits or vegetables and they would pay. That is the it's a financial transaction. If you would hired somebody to come work on your house, to remodel your house, or in that day to watch over your cattle or to watch over your livestock or to attend your sheep, if you were sick and you said, if you'll attend to the sheep and make sure they're taken care of, here's what I'll do for you. And they do a service for you. You, in turn, pay them. It's a financial transaction. That word in the original is translated in verse number 12, warned. What does that mean? What does it mean? I could literally interpret verse number 12 in the original language to mean this. And they presented their gifts, and God said to them, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to take care of you. And here's what I'm going to share with you. Don't go back to Herod. You'll be in harm's way. Go home another route. What is it saying? Here's what it's teaching us. You can trust God. Some of us were in the angst. Can I really devote everything to God? Could I could I give everything over to the Lord? Could I could I really put my whole life and say, God, take everything, every decision, every priority? Could you make the decision about my career, about my about my Degree pathway about my future, about the person I'm going to marry. If I put everything before God, God, I'm afraid I'll lose out. I'll miss something. And here's what God is saying. When you give me your all, I'll pay you back. I will keep you out of harm's way. I'll attend to you. I'll watch over you. Yes. Yes. You see, we can trust Him. Seeing Jesus awakens faith. Following Jesus strengthens faith. And trusting Jesus deepens faith. That's what God is teaching us. What is He teaching us? In the account of the wise men, when it comes to Jesus, see Him clearly. Follow Him nearly and trust Him dearly. And God won't let you down. The team is going to come in and minister a song to us. And this song is intended for us, kind of as we close this year, to reflect perhaps God is calling us to trust Him in an area that we've held on to. And because we've held on to it, our life feels restless and uneasy. And God's saying, I can give you peace. If you will trust me completely, I can give you peace. And perhaps this is your moment. This is your moment through this song to say, God, I'm going to give you my own.